Appendices 11 to 20 of Stories of Old Greece and Rome by Emily Kip Baker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Appendices 11 to 20. Appendix 11. The sisters of Phaeton, the Heliades, spent their days by the Eridanus River, shedding tears, wringing their white hands, and wailing over the loss of their brother, until the gods, in pity for their grief, turned them into poplar trees. Their tears, which continued to flow, became amber as they dropped into the stream. Appendix 12. The Diana of the Ephesians, referred to by St. Paul in Acts 19.28, was not the chaste moon goddess of the Greeks, though a world-renowned sanctuary was dedicated to Diana at Ephesus. Poems. Praise of Artemis by Edmund Goss. Hymn to Diana by Ben Jonson. Artemis in Epic of Hades by Lewis Morris. Niobe by Walter S. Landor. The most beautiful statue of Diana is the Diana of Versailles in the Louvre, Paris, also called the Diana of the Hind. Appendix 13. Before Orion was slain by an arrow from Diana's bow, he loved Merope, daughter of Enopion, king of Chios, who consented to the union on condition that the lover should win his bride by some heroic deed. But instead of meeting this requirement, Orion attempted to elope with Merope. The plan was frustrated, however, by the king, and the bold youth was punished by the loss of his bride, and also of his eyesight. Then Orion wandered about, blind and helpless, and finally reached the Cyclops' cave, where one of them took pity on him, and led him to the sun, from whose radiance his sight was restored. Appendix 14. The story of Endymion is a favourite theme in poetry. The best-known poem on this subject is the Endymion of Keats. Other poems are by James R. Lowell, Henry W. Longfellow, Arthur H. Clough, Elizabeth L. Landon, and Lewis Morris. Appendix 15. In the story of Hyacinthus, as told by the poet Ovid in the Metamorphoses, Book 10, line 16, etc., the account says, Behold the blood that had flowed on the ground, and stained the herbage, ceased to be blood. But a flower of hue more beautiful than the Tyrian sprang up resembling the lily, except that this is purple, and that silvery white. It is evident that the flower here described is not our modern hyacinth, but some species of iris or larkspur. Appendix 16. Another unfortunate ending to one of the friendships of Apollo was the death of Caeparissus, a clever young hunter, whose companionship the sun-god often sought. Caeparissus accidentally killed Apollo's pet stag, and he grieved so sorely over this mischance that he pined away and died. Apollo then changed his body into a cypress tree, which the god declared should henceforth be used to shade the graves of those who, when living, were greatly beloved. Appendix 17. There were many oracles of Esculapius, but the most celebrated one was at Epidaurus. Here the sick consulted the oracle, and sought the recovery of their health by sleeping in the temple. The treatment of the sick was probably nothing like that of modern therapeutics, but resembled what is now called animal magnetism or mesmerism. Serpents were sacred to Esculapius, 
probably because of the superstition that those animals have a faculty of renewing their youth by a change of skin. The worship of Aesculapius was introduced into Rome in a time of great sickness, and an embassy was sent to the temple at Epidaurus to implore the help of the god. Aesculapius was so favourably inclined to the petitioners that he accompanied the returning ship in the form of a serpent. When they reached the river Tiber, the serpent glided from the vessel and took possession of an island in the river. Here a temple was later erected in honour of Aesculapius. Appendix 18 According to the more ancient Greek conception, Venus was the daughter of Jupiter and Dione, goddess of moisture, but Hesiod says that she came from the foam of the sea, and was therefore called by the Greeks Aphrodite, the foam-born. She was generally represented as a beautiful nude figure, or wearing her wonderful girdle, the Cestus, in which lay love and desire and loving converse that steals the wits even of the wise. The most famous statue of Venus is the one that was found on the island of Melos, or Milo, and is now in the Louvre in Paris. It is probably the work of some sculptor of about the third century BC. He followed an original of the age of Praxiteles, probably in bronze, which represented the goddess, partly draped, gazing at her reflection in an uplifted shield. A masterpiece of Praxiteles was the Venus of Cnidos, based upon which are the Venus of the Capitoline in Rome, the Venus de Medici in Florence, and the Venus of the Vatican, which is much superior to the other two. Poems Chorus to Aphrodite in Atalanta in Calydon by Algernon C. Swinburne Aphrodite in Epic of Hades by Lewis Morris Venus of Milo by Edward R. Sill Venus and Adonis by William Shakespeare Adonis in Epic of Hades by Lewis Morris Death of Adonis by Theocritus Translated by Andrew Lang Laus Veneris by Algernon C. Swinburne. The Lament for Adonis by Bion has been translated by Andrew Lang, Edwin Arnold, and Mrs. Browning. The following stanza is from Tennyson. Idalian Aphrodite, beautiful, fresh as the foam, new-bathed in Paphian wells, with rosy slender fingers backward drew from her warm brows and bosom her deep hair, ambrosial, golden round her lucid throat and shoulder, from the violets her light foot shone rosy white, and o'er her rounded form between the shadows of the vine bunches floated the glowing sunlights as she moved. Appendix 19 The worship of Aphrodite was probably of Semitic origin, but was early introduced into Greece. The Aphrodite of Homer and Hesiod displays both Oriental and Grecian characteristics. Among the Phoenicians Venus is known as Astarte, among the Assyrians as Istar. There were temples and groves dedicated to Venus in many places, and in some of them, Paphos for instance, gorgeous annual festivals were held. The festival of Venus that was celebrated in Rome in April was called the Veneralia. Sappho calls Aphrodite the star-throned, incorruptible, wile-weaving child of Zeus. Appendix 20 one of the many myths connected with Venus was that of Berenice, who, fearing for her husband's life, prayed to the goddess to protect him as he set out to battle. She vowed to give her beautiful hair as a sacrifice to Venus if he returned home in safety. 
the prayer was granted, and Berenice's luxuriant tresses were laid on the goddess's shrine, whence they soon mysteriously disappeared. When an astrologer was consulted in regard to the supposed theft, he pointed to a comet in the sky, and declared that the gods had placed Berenice's hair among the stars to shine forever in memory of her wifely sacrifice. End of Appendices 11-20 to 20.